Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your angry host. My name is Steve, and my angry co-host is Kyle. Say hello, angry Kyle. Welcome to the House of Pain tonight. (laughs) Yes. And I normally don't air, you know, personal kind of stuff on air, but I would just say this. If anybody ever threatens my kids, including my neighbor, he feels like he can threaten my kids, well, he may may just have a price to pay. I don't tolerate it. Well, we're not going to threaten your neighbor in return on a – No, we're not. No, not for me. That's not a threat. It's not a threat. But I've already been talking to somebody, um, and somebody who threatens to blow me away. It's kind of hard, you know, when they come and, and confiscate your weapons because you're threatening to blow people away. So, but anyway, Kyle, um, how have you been? Compared to you, apparently, I'm like in the Taj Mahal of life. Like, man. I, I am uh, moderately healthy, playing playing football. We did not win this weekend. And the only thing that is making me angry is the booking to WrestleMania 37. Oh. You know, uh, I think I even stated my opinion on it earlier. You know, I, I don't have anything against Edge. I have something against, you know, somebody who is a essentially a part-timer and he's in <laughs> the main event. I mean, and he's a part-timer because he's been injured, you know? I mean, and I actually like Edge, but I don't think that he should be in that spot. But, and but that's... Part of the subject of tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania moments, both good and bad. And you gave me your top five of both. I gave you my top five of both. And my friend Waylon also, I hit him up, and he also gave me his top five of both. All right. And I will uh, read those as the opportunity uh, presents itself, not prevents itself. But before we actually start, I just wanted to give out our contact and listening info for everyone out there. If you would like to contact us via email, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. We are on Twitter at bookingarmchair. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, The link is actually in the description. I actually did manage to get it to be a link. I was kind of proud of myself for that. But we are also found on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I don't believe I've forgotten anything, have I, Kyle? No, and if you get the opportunity, re- review us on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate a five-star review. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And any of the other platforms, if they allow reviews as well. And we still apologize for not taking phone calls. Uh, blame the genetic defectives who uh, a few weeks ago decided to 
Uh, I play a little game called Vulgar Language and Racism, two things we're not going to tolerate, especially the racism part. So, Kyle, you sent so, me your moments. I did. And what I think is kind of hilarious is one of your good moments is one of my bad moments. <laughs> so, well, you to get this out of the way, and any moment involving Brock Lesnar, you seem to get um, – Well, if you notice, you put favorite moment, Lesnar wins. I put – you know, Lesnar breaks streak. And really, you can insert any name there. Whoever broke the streak. Well, and, and I mean, it, it, if that's going to come up, because, I mean, it's on both our lists in different places. Right. Taker was a, an old-school wrestler who was going to put someone over on the way out. But he wasn't on the way out yet. And that was the thing. Well, could, could he have been after that? It's, and I, to me, it's more of a moment because of what Lesnar did for the next three years afterwards. Whereas I think other moments have been ruined, even historically, because a wrestler has come out of retirement or not lived up to the stipulation. Uh, of the match. So I, I I think we, our choice of moments is very descriptive of our wrestling taste and who we like and dislike as performers. And I, I think we're, we we have a few things we actually agree on both our lists, although in different order. Right. So I will start with my least favorite. Um, and that was Bart Gunn and Butterbean climaxing the brawl for it all at WrestleMania 15. Yep, that was bad. And, and that, that that's had a discussion on a different television show, the Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. If that was a worked set of fights and, and could have built a star... That would have been a unique avenue. But you saw the result of worked fights in the Raw Underground. Yes. That underperformed 
saying it in a family-friendly manner. This was a real fight, and of all the people, Butterbean was basically a 400-pound, four-round butt-kicking. The man had no neck. Oh, I know. King of the King of the Three Round Fight could have easily been related to King Kong Bundy. He looked like him, didn't he? But it, you take Bart Gunn, and he beats all these wrestlers who were wrestling tough guys, and you put him into a match with what three, four weeks notice against a trained professional fighter in Butterbean. And what do you expect to happen? Well, you know, and well, they also would not let Bart Gunn, they handicapped him. They wouldn't let him use wrestling holds. You know, why, why are you stopping the wrestler from using wrestling holds? He could only box... Bart Gunn, now Bart Gunn, I mean, there was a reason why he was in that final round. You know, he was tough, a lot tougher than what anybody would have given him credit for. And you know, I'm not saying putting him against Butterbean and then uh, handicapping him with the rules was a way of getting even with him um, because he beat Steve Williams. That has always been the rumor for the past, what, 23 years now? It has. But uh, if they did do that, I mean, that's that's beyond petty. And, and in reality, I mean, it ended Bart Gunn's WWF career. It did. Oh, absolutely. What was your number five? My number five, ironically enough, um, does have Brock Lesnar in it, but it was the Lesnar squash over Dean Ambrose in WrestleMania 32. It was supposed to be a street fight. Street fights are normally not squashes. You know, street fights, you can have weapons, you know, everything, but they absolutely buried Dean Ambrose. That was the one at, um, well, I was going to say Texas Stadium, you know, even though it's no longer Texas Stadium. That was the one in Dallas for Arlington. And a friend of mine was there. He might even be listening to the show now. Uh, his name is Corey. He was actually there at that show. And he sent me um, – he texted me a picture that he took that every time uh, Lesnar did a German suplex or any kind of suplex, really, every time he did one of the Germans, they'd flash a, the, a, the next number up on the screen. And I think he said it was up to like 13 or 14. That's when he took the picture and sent it to me. Either way, I mean, they just buried – Dean Ambrose for no reason whatsoever. You know, they could have made it at least competitive. And, anyway. and, and that's a, a tough thing because Lesnar will work with people he likes. And clearly... He did not like Dean Ambrose. Well, that was kind of 
Yeah. Well, sorry, I'm just reading the it, comments that people left on my wife's Facebook. <laughs> sorry. It, he clearly didn't like Dean Ambrose. And the way Dean Ambrose was booked at, at the time, in no way did beating him or beating him did nothing for Brock Lesnar. Right. And I, and that was also one I didn't really get why they had him paired off. You know, it it didn't like you said, I mean, it didn't really it didn't really didn't do anything for either one of them. But it's it's like oops, we need to get this guy a match, and these are our options. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Triple H at that WrestleMania had a 30 minute match, you know, to accompany his 15 minute entrance. Right. So it, it it's a it's a tough one. And that really, we could have a whole episode on the poor booking of Dean Ambrose. And this is where AEW at least has gotten it right, where he's he's so much better being unscripted. Yep. And ironically... You have this, a street fight match with no street fighting in it. Right. This goes to my number four. And this is one of our first uh, sort of disagreements. Yeah, I mean, I don't have it on my list. I thought about it. Um, But... Yeah, but I don't have it on my favorites list, but go ahead. I hate the boyhood dream, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12. And, you know, ironically enough, um, did you happen to listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast, the last one? I'm still catching up. Yeah, they did, WrestleMania 12. And you and Conrad are in agreement. Well, I hate the match because not that it wasn't worked well. How do you have an Ironman match for 60 minutes and neither guy loses? Neither guy takes a pinfall, a disqualification, a countout, anything. Uh, I didn't mind that. I mean, it just showed... um, that both men were pretty evenly matched. And I thought the match itself, you know, had a lot of good action. The only thing I did think they could have changed was an hour was a little long. You know, they could have cut that down to, you know, half an hour. I think that would have been better and it probably wouldn't have caught as much criticism. But one of the things about Iron Man matches though, and this is probably the reason I like this one a little bit better is because nowadays when they have an Iron Man match, 
you know, a half an hour Ironman match, both people in the Ironman match will get, you know, three or four falls apiece. It's like, you don't do that in a regular match. All, all of a sudden, you know, you're pinning people in, in a minute. Doesn't make any sense. So it, that that is a that's a tough one. And being that I was living in Southern California when that one happened, the entrance was great. The, the psychology, the match was okay. It it did go back and forth, but the overtime. The Iron Man match, it should have been over when the time limit expired. And that was a poor, a very poor description of of the event. And it, I, I think it cheapened Shawn Michaels' moment. I, yeah, I can agree with that because he couldn't beat Brett in the allotted time limit. Couldn't even get one pinfall on him, so they had to give him extra time. <clears throat> now, so, may, maybe if they had planned, which I guess they did, on the Bret Hart heel turn when he when he was due to come back, and that was his his out or his reason to lose but they they didn't do that right away I had so a train of thought and it just totally totally disappeared on me oh my I, I think so it's I, I'm getting old <laughs> I think that that cheapened the match, and it, it's been a WrestleMania moment where Vince calls, oh, Shawn Michaels' boyhood dream comes true. I think it would have been better if he had beaten Diesel the year before. Yeah, for some reason, they. Uh, I wasn't really that high on Diesel as a champion. You know, but as we saw also with Sean, every single one of his title reigns with every belt should always have an asterisk because this one, he didn't want to give back to Brett, so this is the one where he lost his smile. Oh. And so they can, I can believe he actually got up there and said them words that he lost his this, smile. This was not the lost his smile. I think this was the lost his smile. No, he lost to Sid at Survivor Series. Won it back in San Antonio at Royal Rumble. And then he lost his smile. Oh, that's when he lost his smile. Okay, so this time, what was it? Um, He lost the title to Sid. I don't think he actually lost it. Yeah, I mean, because he was notorious for basically just giving giving it back, so he wouldn't have to do the job for anybody. 
because it it was um oh my gosh I know Sid was the was the champion he he lost it by getting hit in the head with like a camera. All right, let me see. At Survivor Series. All right, you're right. Yep, he lost it to Sid. Why was I thinking that he lost it? Um, that I thought that was when he had lost his smile. Oh what? no, you know I, I should have known better because this is that was the year he kicked Vader in the head. Yeah, at Survivor Series. Uh, was that Survivor Series or SummerSlam? I think it was SummerSlam where he kicked Vader in the head and told him to move. Yeah, you're right. SummerSlam. But either way, that one is your, uh, I guess, second least favorite. Mine, and I believe you actually agreed with this because you actually have it on your list as well. Um, we worded it a little bit different, but it's still the same concept. I said Triple H over Sting, along with the pointless WCW NWO shenanigans at WrestleMania 31. <clears throat> I had the same concept for my number three. Yeah, because they buried Sting. That's all it was. And them bringing out the NWO who were fighting for the honor of WCW. Does that make sense? The <laughs> the, uh, NWO, the NWO created that version of Sting. So by nature, that that was his enemy. That that was that was. Because Triple H is, that was the Terminator year, wasn't it? With uh, uh, that was 2015. With Stephanie, or the, was that the futuristic year? Either way, he he got this glorious entrance. Because he always has a glorious entrance. And Not as glorious as Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode has the. Glorious entrance. Anyway. But not... The the whole NWO, okay, Triple H coming out with DX, yes. The Horsemen are the NWO red and black. The NWO red and black would have made sense. The Horsemen... Believe it or not, because the horsemen were never fighting against WCW. They weren't like trying to take over, you know, like, like a, a, a hostile takeover of the organization. They said, we're just going to own every title, and we're going to be the ones to rule WCW. They weren't trying to change it. That would have made sense. But no, they had Hogan and Nash and Hall, and wasn't X-Pac with them also? Or Six, I'm sorry. No, and Hall on one side, and then Degeneration X was X-Pac, Road Dogg, and Billy Gunn. Okay, that's, yeah, I couldn't remember, and I didn't feel like going and looking it up, 
because I don't even know if I've got my peacock uh, set up correctly. I paid it. I better get you know I paid for it because I want to watch me some mania. Maybe. Um, yeah, I couldn't remember whose side Sean Waltman came out there on because you know of course I mean he was part of both. Well, the the whole the whole booking, and I think Arn Anderson said it best. By defeating Sting at WrestleMania, you just ended the character. Yep. And he could have been the anti-authority, taking out Triple H, and then he would have been useful as an opponent for Seth Rollins. But he he never won a match in WWE. I know. He had two matches. Didn't win either one of them. Why would you do that? Because he was a WCW more or less creation? Because he wasn't part of the legacy of the, you know, of the McMahon creation? And all they did was hurt the business. It, it was overbooking... At, at its finest, like I knew people in that went to that to that show in Santa Clara. Ah. I mean, beautiful stadium, but what's it really do for Triple H to to be Sting other than fluff his ego? Nothing. I mean, it and the match was once again, you know, over thirty minutes for no reason. And and that's what a lot of people, well, they say, well, Triple H is always booking himself to win at WrestleMania. No, he's not, actually. Because if you look at his win-loss record at WrestleMania, he actually um, has more losses than wins. However, he has always been booking himself in the longest match. Sometimes his match is twice as long as the next longest. And, and you take the matches where he, he won – he should have lost. Yeah. Against Booker T in Houston, for example, that had a very racist overtone to it. And, and that was a perfect segue, home, by the way. Go ahead. The hometown, hometown kid, which was Booker T, he should have won, and that should have been a, a WrestleMania moment that's on our favorite side. And it's not. Well, that one was actually up in Seattle, so it wasn't in Houston, but that's beside the point. Waylon's number one least favorite, Triple H taking 23 seconds to cover Booker T at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, I can see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And before that, the promo Triple H cut on Booker T uh, before that, my mouth just dropped. I'm like, did he really just say some of the things that he just said? And when he was called out on it and said, why, you know, why did you just cut a racist promo? Oh, no, it wasn't racist. I was talking about, you know, his time that, you know, when he went to jail. That was how long ago? You know, back when Booker T was, what, 18 or 19 years old? He made a mistake. He did his time. He came out, 
And since then, he has became a better man for, you know, uh, he, mm. Booker T is an absolute superstar. And that right there, you know, another way of Triple H burying somebody for no reason. And I don't, I'm, part of me doesn't want to call it racist, but then the other part says it's very suspect. It certainly looks like it, the promo. And then taking 23 seconds to cover him? Yeah. And, and, and you can't say it's because Booker T was newer exactly. to WWE at the time. They'd already come over. He'd already worked a pretty good program with Steve Austin at that point. Yeah. And, and Austin, way bigger star than Triple H. That almost inspires a whole new top 10 list. And that is the top 10 wrestlers that Triple H buried. Are you sure it's just going to be 10? Yeah, it's going to be tough to limit to 10. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, ever since he's been getting legitimate power, he's been putting it to people. And you know what? You You might as well say every single person... At every WrestleMania where Triple H wrestled a, a match that took over half an hour, every single person on the roster who did not even get a match or were relegated well, to the, you know, to the um, dark matches. Anyway, so what else does Dwayne have on that top ten list uh, for his our top five or? Um, for his number one, um, actually, you know what? I'll start at his number five, uh, and that no, is no, no. Uh, which, which one do you want? We're on the least favorite. Okay, we're sticking on least favorite. Okay. Well, ironically enough, he also has Lesnar versus Ambrose. You know, oh. so he. Oh, there's some. Uh, there's a couple of matches that he did on um, both favorite and least favorite. But his absolute least favorite, because the Triple H taking 23 seconds to cover Booker T, that was his number one least favorite, his most hated moment ever. But the number five is Cena beating Bray. I completely agree with him. Mm -hmm. We we have talked about this before. It ruined the Bray Wyatt character, Super Cena. This was an unnecessary victory that hurt the business. And, uh, you know, it's like Vince McMahon is saying, like, he doesn't understand the character. So if he doesn't understand the character, he buries him. The Wyatt family, to me, was like a, a reincarnation of Kevin Sullivan's Army of Darkness. You know, with a little bit of Cape Fear mixed in. And they could have been just absolutely terrifying people. And trust me, I don't know, have you um, have you ever been to a WWE show with Bray Wyatt in it? No. When them lights went out, especially the surprises ones, when you all of a sudden you hear the... And it goes dark. And all of a sudden the, the lights come back on and he's in the ring and he's attacking somebody. Saw that in Cincinnati. You know, I was like, oh, you know, and 
And, of course, uh, later on when he came out for the, his actual match, and that was, ironically enough, this was a house show. Um, he was going against uh, Dean Ambrose, who is the Cincinnati boy. He was going against Dean Ambrose in, the, in a Cincinnati street fight. But <laughs> when Bray Wyatt comes out, I mean, and you can see it on the, on the TV, and it already looks cool just seeing it on TV. To see it in person is another level. When everybody's breaking out the fireflies, you know, their cell phones with the lights. I mean, that is one of the coolest things just to look around uh, the arena, the stadium, wherever you're at and seeing that. And so, uh, one of, I mean, he was one of their biggest, uh, you know, draws then, and they buried him every pay-per-view. The thing about putting that on there, the promo that Bray Wyatt did with all the kids singing, he's got the whole world on Raw before WrestleMania. Oh, before, yes, with the sheet masks. That was the creepiest thing they put on television. Bray Wyatt should have won That that whole thing was wild. Big discussion would be why didn't Bray Wyatt go over on The Undertaker instead of Brock Lesnar? Bray uh, Wyatt should, should streak. Exactly. That, that would have made sense because you have one character who used to be well, creepy for his time and passing it along, you know, doing the uh, the honors for next generation of that. Glenn's number four. His number four also involves um, Bray Wyatt, and it's Bray Wyatt and Randall Keith Orton. Yeah, that match was bad, dude. It, it, there's no way the other way of looking at it. Especially when they had the maggots projected onto the the canvas, I was like, "What is that?" Well, no, no, there was no reason for that. By the way, I just texted Dwayne and said, "If hey, if your ears are burning, that's because we're talking about you on the podcast." <laughs> oh, he just texted me back. Oh, I'm not gonna scroll up to it. He said, "Hey, what are you talking about?" I said, "My WWE lists." Um, you know what? I wonder if he'll call in. He usually doesn't um, like well talk on this phone ever, but I wonder he might actually do it. Maybe. What's his number three? His number three is every time we text, he just pushes it that much further up. His number three was his number three was Lesnar versus Ambrose. So I'll go to his. I'll jump to his number two. Um, and you know some of these I don't know why you and I didn't think of them. Like the Triple H and Booker T, the sumo match with Big Show. So that that was close. I actually thought about that. It was going to be because Big Show was in a diaper. Sumo wrestling has a some form of wrestling. It is, and there's also rumors that it's also a work. But, yeah, I don't know for sure. And it could be, but 
the the one thing becoming a sumo wrestler, being a young boy, to uh, wipe the champions behind, um, kind of not worth it. But that, yeah. you could say Big Show Akibono, Big Show Floyd Mayweather. And and they should have done Big Show and Shaquille O'Neal. And I know we we look at the the matches and but how versatile of a character was the Big Show? Uh, Big Show is one of the people. If I had to make a, a top five of wrestlers who I just like to hang out with sometime because they seem to be just absolutely hilarious. You know, Big Show would be on that list very easily. But that's because, I mean, his characters, you watch, well, I don't want to include The Giant because, well, that was just, well, not good. I mean, he was extremely green. They pushed him too fast, too soon. Goes to WWF, and he was more of a monster, you know, when he started out. Uh, but then some of his comedy stuff, um, you know, that he did, like, when he was mocking DDP, right? You know, came out there with the big old teeth, you know, and, you know, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> and there was one time they were they were going to have a tag team with him and Billy Gunn. And I only saw one promo for it, but they were going to call themselves the Shoguns. And, yeah, but nothing ever came of it. Right. Uh, uh, But never mind. So we actually have a, a mutual addition on our list. And it's my number two and your number one. And this is actually surprising being a Hogan fan, but Hulk Hogan winning the WWF title at WrestleMania 9 should have never happened. Should never, ever happened. Because... According to Bruce Pritchard on his podcast, they were doing it because they were prepared for a European tour, and Hogan was known over in Europe, and so they put the belt on him just for that, and then they were going to put it back on Brett eventually, and Hogan wouldn't do the job for Brett, allegedly. Uh, And... But yeah, never should have happened because they were uh, they were moving backwards when that happened. That doesn't work for me, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother. So the even the Hogan Beefcake Money Inc. match at WrestleMania Nine, it didn't seem to go together. 
You know, and he was supposedly coming there and like helping his friend and, you know, because Beefcake, I mean, came, had to come back from a very legitimate, very life-threatening accident when um, what they said was a parasailing accident. No, it was a woman's knees who was parasailing smacked into his face and crushed his skull. Yeah, have you ever heard Bruce Pritchard talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just to hear him describe it just makes you go, uh, uh, you know, and it's a wonder that the man survived. Because his whole face was just, you know, caved in. They said it was like a rubber mask. And so, I mean, he hey, had to have, huh? You're having phone interference. Uh, I have it now. You're good. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he had to have the reconstructive surgery. I mean, and that was a real situation. And of course, he came back. He had the mask, and they said Money Inc. attacked him. Blah blah blah. And that's why they had the tag team match. Um, and I'm thinking Hogan was kind of doing what I had seen other wrestlers do who had been world champions. They knew when it was time to kind of step back a little bit. Didn't have to be forever. You know, because Dusty Rhodes, now granted, Dusty Rhodes has booked him, he booked himself to win every single belt there is at some point. At the same time, he was a world champion. Uh, let's kick it back now. He's, a, you know, the TV champion. But we'll make it the world TV champion now that Dusty has it. Uh, now he's the national champion. Uh, now he's the U.S. champion. Now he's the Central States champion, I'm pretty sure. Uh, now the Western Heritage champion. And all them other champions. But Hogan wouldn't do that. Hogan was like world title or nothing. Right. He said, that should have never happened. And I don't blame Bret Hart one bit for being irate about that. And, and they missed they missed the opportunity at WCW, too. No, oh, they, they totally mishandled Bret Hart and WCW. Just like Vince said they would. But there's a reason they've been out of business as long as they have. 20 years, as of last month. So, it's tough, but the shock moment, Bret Hart wrestles, Yokozuna wrestles his heart out. Barely Mm -hmm. gets him off. Hogan misses salt, clotheslines him, leg drop, one, two, three. Yep. Because I remember, in fact, I remember talking to Dwaylon about this. And I don't know if um, if he he actually may have watched it live or whatever, but he, he had already seen it. And I said, oh, you know, so who, I said, who was it, you know, fighting? Oh, Bret Hart and Yokozuna. Oh, who's world champion? Hulk Hogan. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, do what? I uh, did not watch that live. Did not watch WrestleMania 9 live. I watched it through the squiggly lines hmm. on our pay-per-view box. 
So when they they announced, because you couldn't see it, but you could hear it. But you could hear it. Kind of like the um, of the the um, I'll just say the booby channels. Well, you said a forbidden word. Channels, but no. <laughs> anyway, I used to go into people's hotel rooms and order all those channels. <laughs> <laughs> And leave them with like a four hundred dollar bill. Wow, dude! If you were Catholic, do you know how many Hail Marys you would have to do for that? Three. Just three. Just three. Okay. But, um. The 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 whole WrestleMania nine. The undercard was okay. You could argue Giant Gonzalez was a, a least honorable mention. I didn't even want to bring that match up because I was like, it would almost be giving it too much attention, to be honest with you. I mean, it was just like, uh, yeah, let's, let's kind of forget about that. You can also argue that the Toga Party was a least honorable mention. Although there were right. a couple of there were a couple of good matches on there, um, Shawn Michaels and Tatanka. You know I, that I don't see how that would be anything but good. Um, and um, let's see, there was yeah, there was Shawn Michaels and Tatanka. Oh uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels, uh, Tatanka, um, Mr. Perfect, and Mike Fluger were on that card. That one wasn't too bad. Um, uh, <clears throat> the Lex Luger, the narcissist. I actually had to go to a dictionary and look up what the word narcissist meant. So, fail. Not a tremendously bad gimmick for him, though. No, at but, the time, it actually kind of fit him. But g- gimmicks like that never seem to work. And you take the masterpiece, Chris Masters, um, the reflection of perfection. And you know who that was? Chris Masters? No, the reflection of the perfection. The reflection of perfection. I'm the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. Uh, no, that's yep. Dr. Rose. Uh, that was Mark Intrack. They made oh. him the the reflection of perfection. Oh, uh, well, that's not a bad nickname. It's not a bad name. It's, but you um, can see why it, it never got over. Unlike the greatest NWF women's champion of all time, small and mean Selena Dean. Yes, sir. I was there to watch it live. It was great. And then... Finally met her after the show. I got my picture taken with her, and she is nice as can be. She really is. But they uh, they really blew WrestleMania nine. Made up for it with WrestleMania ten, which they could did. Multiple. favorite matches on there. The oh, 
as far as like if we had to rank WrestleManias, which I actually thought about that doing that too, but at the same time, that's been so cliche, and everybody's lists are pretty much the same. You know, when they say what's the favorite wrestling, what's the best WrestleMania, what's the worst WrestleMania? Because usually people say the worst one is either nine, eleven, or two. And no, well, two, the worst nine, nine plus two is eleven. Is which one? The worst WrestleMania is WrestleMania thirty-two. Uh, that one's in the running, also, yeah. Um, but ten, I would say yes, because ten had two very high-quality matches on it. You know, two. I mean, I, I dare say two five-star matches on it. Brett versus Owen in the opening match, and then the um, the ladder match for the Intercontinental title between Sean and Razor. And, you know, you talk about greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, both of those are always listed. Well, if you're going to go there, WrestleMania three had the greatest match of all time, greatest little person angle of all time, with King Kong Bundy and Jimmy uh, Jim. No, I'm trying to think of the one he slammed. Little Beaver. Little Beaver. Um, Moment-wise, Savage Steamboat, her best match, you had the... Rowdy Piper retirement against Adrian Adonis where he shaved his head. Retirement. In quotes. So I would go with WrestleMania 3 over 10. But that that wrestling the the impact of the main event different. So, um, you covered Dwayne's least favorite WrestleMania moment, and we already know your number one because it was my number two. You did skip your number two, which could have easily made my list as well. Did I skip my number two? Yes, you did. My number two was Hogan wins WrestleMania 9. Oh, that's your number two. Sorry. My number two. <laughs> sorry. Um, the Austin Hill turn at WrestleMania X. You're right here because this just never fit. Another thing never should have happened. And even even Steve Austin says this was a mistake. Yep. And because... Uh, why would you – you don't turn somebody heel who the people just do not want to boo. And, you know, they kept him heel for a few months, and people still – some people are kind of like, oh, boo, okay, we'll boo and boo. But they didn't mean it. Oh. Yeah. And that's that's 
there's no there's no logical explanation why him and McMahon joined forces. Yeah. I mean, it's a awesome. The Austin character was never about winning titles. It was about anti-authority and beating people up. And for them to all of a sudden become allied with no no explanation as to, okay, when have you two been talking to each other? You know, because something like that, you would think they're, you know, all they, they, they've been working this out. I mean, and yeah, I guess, yes, I know it's all work, but you still got to make it seem logical. And it didn't seem logical because they could have had, um, even if it wasn't them joining forces, it could have been um, maybe there was some friction between McMahon and The Rock. You know, and so that's why he was doing it. He wasn't necessarily joining Steve Austin. He was going against The Rock. That would have made more sense. But otherwise, I mean, that's another one of the WrestleManias that a lot of people consider, like, one of the absolute best. And and I would argue 18 over 17. And 18 was another good one. I mean, that's, you know, both of them really good cards. So it's, this is a very subjective moment list. Oh, of course it is. This isn't, you know, we're voting. I mean, this is us giving our opinions. And and for Lee's favorite moment, this is again for subjection. I don't like some of your favorite moments because in historical context they do not they no longer hold up. You don't like mine? Right. So th- think about matches. Rowdy Piper's last match at WrestleMania three. He was back at WrestleMania five. And I don't have that. No, but I'm using this as an example. Oh, okay. Macho Man, loser versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania seven, supposed to lose their career. That made it to SummerSlam. Actually, it made it to this Tuesday night in Texas, which was after Survivor Series, but still. The Ric Flair retirement match at WrestleMania 24. Perfect send-off. They do everything possible to give him the send-off he deserved, and he turns around and he ruins it in TNA. He did, but... I still can't take away the moment because if you watch that moment even now, I mean, knowing what's going to happen, you know, it still makes you kind of go, wow. Um, I showed that clip to my daughter 
And she started crying. It was like 10 years later. And she started crying. I don't look at it the same. Nor can I look at Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And I remember whose house I was at when I watched that match. First one or second one? The second one. And Shawn Michaels came out of retirement to wrestle for however many million in Saudi Arabia. And he's also said, yeah, that was a mistake. Never should have happened. And the same thing with the end of an era match between Triple H and The Undertaker. That got ruined. The same match, Triple H, Shawn Michaels versus Kane and The Undertaker. Ah. So stipulations, you go through all this effort to put stipulations into WrestleMania, and there's no – there's not a follow-through or any any sort of historical permanence. Well, that's because that's R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. But so, except for the Shawn Michaels thing, that was just for a payday. Well, I mean, Ric Flair was for a payday. Well, Ric Flair is for a lot of paydays because dude had a lot of bills. Well, he created a lot of bills because of his habit and his style choices. And oh, getting married that well, excuse me, getting divorced that many times has a permanent effect on your finances. But yeah. they, you go through all, all the effort, and it just ruins historical moments like not that I want the Peacock Network because that appears to already be a PG disaster like why do I want to watch edited wrestling yeah they're even talking about taking some of these um, the old <clears throat> like the territories like going into those episodes and editing, editing them to take out anything that might be considered not appropriate, I guess, for today. Um, just like here recently on the Shivani podcast, they've been going through 1986. And they showed uh, the clip where Pistol Pez Watley turned heel on Jimmy Valiant. And they showed what Jimmy Valiant said about Pistol Pez. And I've was not intended to be an insult. Pistol Pez took it as an insult, and he turned heel on uh, the Boogie Woogie Man and then pulled some scissors out of his back pocket and started cutting his hair, so he may have been playing for a while anyway. Um, but you couldn't, um, you couldn't do that kind of promo now. And that was, I mean, pretty tame compared to some of the other ones that I've seen where it wasn't even, like, borderline racist. I mean, it was flat-out racist. <coughs> but, anyway, before we start uh, going down a rabbit hole we won't be able to get out of, 
So we have we covered all of our least favorites. Um, did Dwayne happen to mention a dishonorable mention? No, he didn't. I didn't ask him for any. I just said five and five. Um, you know, so I mean, I I will give my honorable mention for least favorite, and as much as what I like to rock. Him beating Eric Rowan in six seconds at WrestleMania 32. Uh, just like every single one of these least favorites, what I said about all of them, they ever should have happened. But yours is also from WrestleMania 32. Well, the six-second match shouldn't have happened it was it really a match? I mean that that's just a way for The Rock to get around the insurance requirements for his movie. Now granted, The Rock because we know how The Rock was at his promos, he actually said something to Bray Wyatt that I think Bray Wyatt actually broke character and started laughing because I mean, even though it was directed at him, you couldn't help but laugh. When he looked at Bray Wyatt and he said, you say you're the eater of worlds, but where I'm standing, you look like the eater of Hot Pockets. Yeah. <laughs> that, that left me on the floor just dying laughing. And you look at when they – if you were able to watch it again, watch Bray Wyatt. He all of a sudden, he starts laughing, you know, even though he's probably not supposed to. But it was just – it was that funny because The Rock was that good. Uh, it, but – it's view wrestling is it should matter who wins who loses jr is like this on his podcast that you can get over losing just as much as you can by winning and you shouldn't have any you shouldn't have any issues winning or losing but losing losing in six seconds kills a monster. Losing in six seconds to a part-timer, I don't care who it is, will really just deflate everything he had been doing. thing is, wrestling for six seconds is still four seconds longer than sweet pants. That's very true. (laughs) But we are actually past the halfway mark, so we need to go ahead and move on to our favorite ones. Well, hold and on. Go ahead. I have a dishonorable mention for matches and moments, and this is Triple H's overinflated ego. But the 32-minute match he had with – well, excuse me, 30-plus-minute match he had with Roman Reigns to put him over – at WrestleMania 32, it sucked. Oh, I thought, yeah, sorry, I, I thought you actually said that already. Yeah, it did. And that's the one, there were 100,000 people. No, that's not the one where the people started walking out. That was Roman and Brock Lesnar. But either way, and everybody, everybody knew who was going to win. Triple H should not have had the title to begin with. And that, we can actually go back to the Royal Rumble prior to this when it's like, okay, Roman, you're going to put your title up in the Royal Rumble, and you're going to be entering number one. And when Triple H came out as number 30, 
I wish I still had the text messages I was sending to Dwaylon at that time. I mean, and he was sending them right back to me. We were both just heated over that. We're like, are you kidding me? Well, and, and, oh. and this Triple H's ego at the time, they put the title up at the Royal Rumble so he could win the title like Ric Flair did. And the, although his ego is as equal to Ric Flair, Club One, his character is nowhere close. So, as an eater of Hot Pockets, that match went on 15 minutes longer than it should have. Oh. But, and to our more favorite moments and matches. Let me go ahead and... I'll go ahead and tell you, um, well, I'm going to tell you a couple of Dwaylans. Um One, you already mentioned, and I think you actually have it on your list as a favorite. And you, well, I thought you did. No, I guess not. Uh, Savage and Steamboat, we did mention it. I did mention it for my WrestleMania three, right? And uh, I agree with him as far as moments. That that match with its false finishes and just work rate, everything that was going on, it, it was a shock finish, and it was where a baby face went over proper. And that match, I mean, granted, we've since found out that that match they had rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed it, and Savage had it all written out and, you know, went down. He had a ring at his house, and Steamboat went down there, and um, they rehearsed it until they got it perfect. But what a match. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen a pin – fall like a match end the way that one ended when savage goes for the slam and as he's slamming steamboat steamboat reaches over grabs his legs and rolls him up and that was it innovative roll up nothing to it's not like the the backwards backwards pin that the heart 24-7 title gets all the time, the roll-up pin. Yeah, it's not the the, the schoolboy, the roll-up or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was I mean, he had, it was almost a small package in a way, but it wasn't. It, it was like an inside cradle from amateur wrestling. Right. <laughs> His story Steamboat could have been great greatest intercontinental champion of all time. No honky tonk man. Getting rid of a, one of your favorites. 
but he wins the title and immediately wants some time off, which didn't sit well. To be honest with you, it wouldn't sit well with any promoter. No. But a lot of that, and I don't want to um, you know, start throwing stones at somebody I've never met, but when you hear a lot of the other people talk about Steamboat during this time period, they say the problem definitely was not Steamboat. They say Steamboat was actually one of the nicest people you ever meet. They say it was his wife at the time. And she had been causing a lot of problems, and she was really the one pushing for him to take the time off. But they are no longer married. And according to Flair, one of the best things Steve would ever did. But anyway, um, but my number five, and I don't know, maybe you might consider this kind of, but Stone Cold HBK, WrestleMania 14. And you have to explain why. Well, this is what really kicked off the Stone Cold Steve Austin era. It wasn't when he did his promo at the King of the Ring. Um, This was it because this is when he won his first world title. And he took it off of the Heartbreak Kid, who it was an open secret that he was going to be taking some time off after this. You know, because, I mean, he had a very legitimate uh, back injury, and he was gone for, what, four years? So this one to me, you know, um, because the match itself was great, and the way they finished that one, you know, Stone Cold going for the stunner, um, HBK pushing him off into the ropes, so we could try the, the super kick. But Stone Cold grabbed it. And you may be saying something to him because he had that head bobbing the way he used to do. And then he kicked with stomach, stutter, one, two, three, done. This is also the one where Mike Tyson was the special referee who jumped in and actually gave the three count. And this is the time also when the tide started turning towards WWE's favor against uh, the, in the war with WCW, and they never looked back. I would argue that Mike Tyson's knockout of HBK after the match is more of a WrestleMania moment than Austin stunning and pinning HBK during the match. Well, I'm just saying the match itself, what it represented, and... Uh, it, it being the pivot point for a lot of things in wrestling. So, yeah, it, it's uh, the knockout of Shawn Michaels after the match replayed on SportsCenter, CNN, SI, the news. It, it played everywhere, whereas the stunner did not. Well, because Mike Tyson was still a household name for everybody, and he was it was his presence which got a lot more um, publicity and press for the event. And so I can, you know, I, I can argue that fact. So, and, and 
stunner wise because he was hurt it was not it was not one of his better stunner takings either and don't forget though if he had not taken the stunner if he had not done the one two three rumor has it there was somebody waiting for him on the other side of the curtain if he didn't do the right thing Oh no, there there was definitely some all week <laughs> with fists taped up and everything, because he made sure that Sean saw him taping up his fists. He's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my number five being different, my number five is Hogan and The Rock from WrestleMania 18. Which exact moment in the match? Because I know which moment I would choose. So there's a moment in the match when it first starts where the crowd is going absolutely nuts. And, And there's electricity, but the moment Hogan hits the leg drop, and the crowd goes berserk, thinking he's going to win. And then gets countered into a rock bottom and ends up losing. You could argue four or five different points inside that match were WrestleMania moments. The one... Out of that match, and I mean it's not one of my, it's not in my top five, uh, but it was one that came kind of close. Was when Brock goes in as a face, Hogan goes in as a heel, and then at one point they both kind of look at the crowd because the crowd was cheer. They were clearly behind Hogan, and they were booing the Rock. And so it was just that moment, and they just kind of looked at each other, and every other plan they had for the match went right out the window. They had to um, not start from scratch, but they had to do it like Rock was the heel, Hogan was the face, and they did it well. So what do you got for your number four? My number four is TLC2 at WrestleMania 17. Because this match, oh my, I mean, once it started, there was no letting up, and there were so many, <clears throat> I, and you know, I almost put one particular moment, and it was when Edge speared Jeff Hardy, when Jeff Hardy was hanging on to the belts in midair. Right. And that and was, that was <sighs> oh, that yeah, that I mean, that could have easily done it, but then, but Jeff Hardy does the, the swanton off the top of the, you know, 80-foot ladder, however the that ladder was. Now, on to what we... Completely knocks himself out of the match. Yeah. But when you had the interference with Rhino and then Spike and then Lita, and Lita, who did she do the Hurricane Rana to? Like, as soon as she got in there, uh, yeah, you got me there. I don't remember, but it's one thing is I mean, as soon, I mean, because 
Lita's Hurricane Rana, and hers is more of a Hurricane Rana, not a Frankensteiner. Um, because to me, the difference is Frankensteiner, you're going straight back. The Hurricane Rana, you're kind of going at an angle. And if that you're more twisting. Um, but and then her moonsault was also something else. But you know the interference with them, and then at the very end with Rhino coming up from the bottom of the ladder and pushing, I believe it was Edge, up to grab the belts. But yeah, that match was just from beginning to end, nonstop action, and I don't agree with them naming a pay-per-view after it because that's one of the things it should be a special match not okay now it's part of our everyday vocabulary but i mean either way it it was it was just wild and i will give you dwaylens and actually i gave you his um i gave you his number four earlier but his, I'll go ahead and tell you his number five, um, and that's Flair's retirement match. And, and you, you have that. I have it on my list as well. On one of your moments. And I, obviously, I completely disagree with both you guys. I know, because you had it down as one of your least favorites. Because the moment got ruined. In historical context, is not what it doesn't replay the same. Well, I just want to take the moment as as for the moment, without going into okay, everything after, because yeah, it did get tarnished. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I just I. It's one of the best ones when Shawn Michaels looks up and says, I'm sorry, I love you. Kick. And he pinned him, and then he immediately, you know, like grabbed, you know, kind of cradled his head. Because, I mean, they had so much mutual respect for each other. And two of the greatest ever step in the ring. And, And he got out of the ring, and the one thing... The moment I remember most about Ric Flair's retirement was not the match. It was WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania. Yeah. Where they did his retirement party. And that's the one where and Triple H came in and put the belt on his shoulder. And and that was incredible. Yeah. And we also know Ric Flair, he'll cry at the drop of a dime. Oh, Ric Flair cries as much as I go to the bathroom every day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's part of his fitness routine is letting go of those tears. But you know what? He's the nature boy and we're not, so um, he's doing something right. Not that we're not, so, you know. <laughs> Favorite-wise, we're on number four. For those of us that um, did not do Common Core, Matt, four means four. My number four moment is one of your your hated moments, and that is Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. Next. And, and that's a moment 
whether you like it or not, because the shock value. And it's on my list of things that never should have happened. So looking at those faces in the crowd, there's at least three people from WrestleMania 30 that are now memes because of the images created. One is the guy, he's wearing, he's wearing the Danger Bryan shirt that says yes, but his eyes are about as wide as plates. Right. And that's probably the one everyone remembers, the black guy with the white T-shirt. And yep. he opened his mouth like, what's a... Yeah. It happened. And, you know, um, he had actually traveled all the way from Maryland. So he, he could be your neighbor. And... Huh? <laughs> huh? No. <laughs> but he went all the way down. I mean, obviously he was doing something right. The man had ringside seats. And obviously, I mean, huge wrestling fan. And, you know... His face, I think, actually did say it all. Um, because even if you couldn't hear the silence of the crowd, because, I mean, it was just like, that did not just happen. But, and common core math, I just stepped in there because I was thinking, should I go ahead and do Dwayne's number five because it's actually on my list as well. I didn't want to spoil it, but um, but I, you know the next one or Dwayne is actually a combination of the one you just mentioned and the one that um, was his number five, and that's Sean versus Taker at WrestleMania twenty five. No, it's not. I believe your retirement match was, it was actually at 26, wasn't it? Yeah, this is the year before that. And match-wise, this match is unbelievable. But it, it goes to question, um, I think we were doing moments and, and we have a few more matches. Well, and matches, moments, because that's one thing that Jordan did ask me. You want matches or moments? I was like, well, some matches are moments, and so whatever you prefer. I mean, because we've kind of done the same thing. So I, I'm trying to choose moments. That was hard. So I, I'll actually go to my number three, because this is definitely a moment. And this is at the end of the Macho Man Warrior match at WrestleMania 7, the career versus career match. And this is where Sherry Martell starts whooping on Macho Man, and Elizabeth comes out of the crowd to save him, and they end up reuniting as a couple. Yes, for all you soap opera fans, that was the greatest moment for soap opera wrestling. It, it was. It was. I'm not wrong. It, it, it's more tear-worthy than Ric Flair. Mm. 
maybe. It did, it did have people crying. I mean, I'll admit that. I'm sure Ric Flair cried over that match, too. Well, the very next year, the very next WrestleMania, he and Randy were fighting because Rick had pictures of him and Elizabeth by a pool drinking daiquiris. And um, who would have thought wrestling brought us the first live version of Photoshop? And it did, too. So, yeah, no, no, no one knew what Photoshop was before wrestling. They do now. But it it shows, one, Elizabeth was tiny compared to Sherry Martell. Oh, she was. So what do you got for number three? Number three. And this is also on your list. My number three is when Hogan slams Andre at WrestleMania three. I actually should have put that because it's not the only time he slammed him. But when Hogan slammed Andre at WrestleMania three. Now, uh, we number things differently here because this is my number one. Mm-hmm. And moment-wise, there is no greater WrestleMania moment than Hogan slamming Andre at WrestleMania three. Well, they showed at the beginning of every single episode of Raw. Historical significance, this was the moment that this cemented WWF was here for a long time. At least for the next couple of years. Well, Vince Vince sold out everything on WrestleMania three. He did ninety three thousand people. But one thing Vince did though, which he after that he said he would never do it again because it actually gave him a lot of bad publicity, was he blacked out all of Michigan. Yeah, I was not able to watch uh, closed circuit. Right. And, you know, being it, uh, WrestleMania three is the only wrestling DVD I have. Excuse me, tape I have on VHS. I used to have it on VHS. I probably still do. Just put up somewhere. Would you say that's the biggest moment of the match, just when he slams it, or just pinning Andre, who, quote-unquote, undefeated, even though we know he had actually been defeated and slammed before? Yeah, but historical, well, the way they did it, that, that imagery that he was up, slammed, and leg drop, and then you see Hogan struggling to pick up his leg. Yeah. And 
Andre was so big and so beloved at the time, there half the crowd thought he was he was gonna win. Yeah. But I remember the um the next morning when I was getting ready for school, you know, we had the T V on and they actually had um they showed the footage of the beginning of the match when Hogan tried to pick him up and Andre fell on him and almost got the three count. But they showed that. But they said, but Hulk Hogan came back and he won. Right. And, and I mean, you know, they put it on the news just like they're going to put Bad Bunny in, in the news. <laughs> oh. I actually have a little bit more respect, though, for Bad Bunny because he's actually not trying to make a mockery out of wrestling. He's actually trying. You know, he's trying to do this, um, the industry good. Um, he respects it, so I respect him. All right. What's your number? My number two. Actually, let me give you Dwayne's number two. Benoit and Eddie hugging it out at WrestleMania 20. So historical com- context on that one. Yes, it happened, but it's no longer available. Right. Um, that one, I mean, that was another one I really, really thought hard about. And, like, you know, this is one of the ones I'll throw your rule down. It was the historical context. You know, best friends, both of them conquering, you know, both of them winning world titles at, you know, the same time, or, you know, both of them holding world titles at WrestleMania, so you knew the hug, the embrace was genuine. And then in what, um, you know, two years later, or, you know, three years later, both of them um, will be dead, and one under horrible circumstances. Right. And so that's why, I mean, and it, you know, it's almost like, you know, when people mention Benoit's name, you know, a lot of people just wince because that's the first thing, unfortunately, the first thing you think about is the last, you know, 48 hours of his life, you know, and the, the horrendous things he did. And I remember being in college when that happened, having to look up Urban Dictionary and what happened. And, you know, but, I mean, I can't knock anybody, you know, um, you know, especially Dwayne, you're putting on a list because is a moment, you know. I mean, and, I, and I'm really, I'm not going to knock anybody for anything to put on a list because, I mean, it is very subjective. It is our opinions. Um, and at the time, I mean, it was a great moment. And it's just unfortunate. And this goes way beyond, you know, Flair going and wrestling for TNA. Um, this is you know, something that made international headlines and not for a good reason. Uh, Yeah. But I'll go ahead and move on to my number two. And that'd be Stone Cold and Brett at WrestleMania 13. The double turn and actually the blood running down Austin's face um, that even though Vince had the no blood policy, he still put it on the cover of the DVD later on. On my honorable mention list, 
Mm-hmm. Except for you put it as WrestleMania 12. That's okay. I know what you meant. Uh, I was close enough. <laughs> this, this one, um, so many moments you could have chose from, but the blood running down Austin's head, Cameron calling the calling the match, Bret Hart throwing a fit afterwards. But the the whole match, like we we talked that Stone Cold never beat Bret Hart in a um, in a match, but losing in that performance made him a bigger star. Oh yeah, he got over. This is what Jim Ross was talking about. Stone Cold got over more in that match, the, and it was really the way he lost. Because he never gave up. It was a submission match, but he actually never gave up. He, quote-unquote, passed out. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, that right there, I mean, he, you know, Bret Hart had to force him to just, to where he couldn't go anymore, even though he wanted to. And that, well, I mean that that's one of the matches that for me there are very few matches that that reach that caliber and just the whole drama surrounding it because I mean you were just waiting for Brett just to give it to uh, Stone Cold because Stone Cold had been just basically harassing him uh, you know for what six months and do what it was since Survivor Series the year before yeah. And, you know, you're just waiting. All Brett's going to just, you know, he's going to eat Steve Austin's lunch. At least I hope so because, man, Austin, that's going to be a good match. And and I don't think anybody could have predicted that it was going to be this good. Because, I mean, anybody knew it was going to be good. But, man, this was next level. This is one of those elite matches. It can easily be argued the best match, the most historically significant match of all time. So it's it's not just the moment, which the moment is definitely up there. Because that's another one that played on highlight reels for years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they also bladed and got away with it. That's the second time he did it in WrestleMania and got away with it. Boy, he is so good at listening. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. What? Hope everything comes out all right. That's not what you think it is. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I'll go ahead and have you give your number two. Um, well, my number two is Daniel Bryan winning the main event of WrestleMania 30. And, and that, that was such a huge moment for basically, you know, like the internet wrestling community. 
um, because they had been pushing, pushing, pushing. Y'all need to, you know, put Daniel Bryan in there. He's one of the best people you ever got. And when it was Batista who tapped, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it was the it, what? I thought thought it was the um, the kick, but I'm probably wrong. On the on the ending, the the moment is the yes chant after he won. Yeah, and I had just gotten back into watching um, because we had just moved into our house um, like two or three months before that, and the, the WWE Network had just started. Got it. In fact, this was. This was my free pay-per-view, and I was like, who is this Daniel Bryan guy? You know, because I'd been so out of it, you know, out of touch with everything for, like, the years prior, trying to keep up with it on the Internet, but, um, you know, couldn't keep up with it as much as what I wanted. And I was like, man, this guy, uh, you know, is just, like, ridiculously over. And I had heard about the Royal Rumble. Um, well, actually, what I heard most about the Royal Rumble, it was Cena and Orton, and um, they were booed out of the building pretty much. Nobody wanted to see them wrestle again. And it, so it made me go back and watch that one. And Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt were in the first match, that Rumble. And when that music hit, that, that is one of the biggest pops I have ever heard. The the whole yes movement when it started becoming popular and going over to baseball and going over to basketball <laughs> and, and how often does something wrestling related go over if if it were another character that would have uh would have had that catchphrase, let's say a bigger character, Triple H, Vince McMahon, they would have promoted the hell out of it and found ways to to get it involved in the show. You would think a smart promoters, somebody who's not stubborn. Invisible Man is not stupid. The man became a billionaire. He grew up in a trailer park and became a billionaire. He's not stupid. But his stubbornness, he could have had more billions than what he has now had he just listened to the fans instead of just pushing what he wanted the fans to like. Because, you know, Daniel Bryan's not the first time he is not listen to them, not listen to the fans when they say, we want this person. You know, we like this person. If the fans like somebody, that means they're going to go pay to see that person. And if they're going to pay to see that person, you should probably make them, you know, give them a lot bigger push than what you're doing. Blue Tista. Because he wore those (laughs) awful tights. Blue Tista. Of course, that actually makes me think of him as Drax. But I, I remember that year 
because we were at a friend of mine's house and I had gotten the Royal Rumble and he was supposed to be at WrestleMania, which he did. But I bought food for my house and it was for like four guys. And when it was his turn, he had to buy for me and um, his wife. And he threw a fit about having to buy food. So it ended up being like the last WrestleMania I watched at someone's house. Hmm. I had the guy had no problems with my bill when he was buying food for him and his wife. But when it was his turn, not so much. Kind of like the people when they call you when well, hey kids, if you don't know what long distance is, ask your parents. When they would call you long distance, they'd only want to talk for like a minute. But if you called them long distance, they'd want to talk for hours. Yeah. Yeah. I know people like that. Um, Especially when I was calling people from overseas. And that's why the airman's phone bill is usually like 200 bucks. Oh, I saw some airmen um, who had bigger phone bills than that. Um, You know, kind of a side story. Do we have time? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, just real quick, I'll say in England, we had a guy in our unit, he got deployed to the desert, and he decided to look, hey, does my cell phone work? Oh, cool, I got a signal. He called his girlfriend, later fiance, later wife, and they're actually married now, and he called her like every day. Three years later, when he PCS from England, he was still paying on that phone bill. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was in the five digits. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, you can make a call. Should you? Probably not. Well, you should probably check to see how much it costs. Here's aging yourself, as if I'm not the oldest, only only 41-year-old on the football team. I remember making long-distance calls with 1010811 before the number. Ten ten eight one one ten ten two twenty ten. 1011 10 10 there was uh, so many of them. And the big thing was a dime a minute. Oh, yeah, dime a minute. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to get a lot of calls from my wife when we were dating. Uh, well, on that. <laughs> yeah. And me and my wife, we were uh, long distance for a little bit because she had come back to Ohio and I was still in Maryland. And, yeah, yeah my phone bills were a little high sometimes because of that. Um, but I digress because we need to move on to our number one. And Dwayne's number one and probably the most recent one out of our entire list. It'd be Kofi winning the WWE title. Um. So it's hard to say because I've only known him through responding to some of his chats on Facebook. Right. That is, that's a historically significant moment. And it means more to some people than others. Um, 
it, it's it's hard because that's that's Booker T's moment eleven years prior. Well, here's well, the funny thing: well, um, when when Dwayne sent me his list, um, and you know, I saw Kofi won WWE title, you know, um, and that's his favorite. And we both agreed because I was texting back and forth about it. Kofi should have won the WWE title long before he did. And what hurt him was Randall Keith Thornton. Yep. Because Kofi's push, I mean, he was getting pushed, he was getting pushed. And one, let me see the way I put it. I said he should have had it long before then. RKO puts him on blast because of one mistake in a match that no one besides them two would have even known was a mistake had RKO not shown his rear end. I didn't say rear end. I said something else, but, you know, family-friendly. And Joanna said, exactly. I said, so his push got canceled for 10 years. And I said, I always thought Orton has too much influence in the company. He gets Kofi buried, Kennedy fired, he fails drug tests multiple times, has confrontations with fans, but he's kept around. I mean, think about it. Yeah. But because of Orton, that's what killed Kofi's push. And I don't know why Orton wasn't disciplined. Because when you see that match, did you know there was a botch? Once he started yelling out, stupid, I did. Exactly. Because it gave him an RKO, the just started calling him stupid. And Rexham was like, what happened? But apparently he was supposed to stay down so Orton could do the punt kick. But, hey, uh, crud. My dad is calling right now. He don't just like to call this time. Um, All right. I'm going to let you go to voicemail, and I'll call him back right after. My number one I've already talked about, and that's – Historically significant, and it's Hogan slamming Andre. Yep, and we already said my number one, but um, so, I know family business is calling. Yeah, he normally doesn't call this time, so I'm hoping everything's all right. So, he hasn't come uh, out. He, he's that. You know what he's probably going to call me about? The national championship game. Yeah. Because it's 